Welcome to season two of Talking PFAS. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. I recommend that you have a listen to season one to catch up on some of the foundational chats we had about PFAS. I'm your host, Kayleen Bell. Today's episode is about PFAS contamination in the township of Oakey, Queensland. The Army Aviation Centre Oakey is situated 30 kilometres west of Toowoomba and is the major source of PFAS contamination in Oakey. The site currently operates as the Army's helicopter training school for pilots and is also home to a Republic of Singapore Air Force helicopter squadron. As part of typical airbase activities, aqueous film forming foam, commonly known as AFFF, was used at the site for fire training and emergency response from the 1970s. Investigations completed for defence to date have identified nine key on-site PFAS source areas. The results of the groundwater monitoring conducted between July 2017 and May 2018 indicates that concentrations of PFAS are highest on-site near potential source areas with impacted groundwater extending off-site to the south and southwest. PFAS chemicals are very mobile in water and can travel great distances. A defence fact sheet about the contamination at Oakey says the movement of PFAS in surface water and groundwater has spread the impact more widely than anticipated by transport in groundwater alone. Groundwater flow within the investigation area typically follows topography, with flow in the alluvium generally occurring in a south-westerly direction towards Oakey Creek and the Condamine River. Earlier this year, I visited Oakey and caught up with a couple of proud stud cattle producers, Diane Priddle and David Jeffress. They live about four kilometres southwest from the Army Aviation Centre Oakey. They live in a PFAS contaminated zone. I guess what I saw was the potential and I could see that it had the bones to be what we wanted it to be for our retirement. But we were very excited finding our final home. When we look back, we would have loved if someone would have told us that it wasn't going to be our final home. We were actually buying in a contamination zone. We put our life savings into it, but we did not know that. The residents involved in the three class actions against the Department of Defence had some bad news this week about their joint trial that was due to commence on the 12th of August 2019. Justice Lee has now taken over case management from Justice Jagot and the trial date has been vacated. The official information at the moment is that there is no new trial date set, but it is believed that it most likely will be during 2020. This has been a tough blow for residents a week out from the election and also many of them have put their hope in that date, 12th of August, for the beginning of a solution to what they call living in a PFAS nightmare. David, I was just wondering if you could tell me what it was like when you first laid eyes on your property, Berwick Stud. At the time I was working for a pastoral company at Dalby uh, in the Charolais industry and Charbray industry and uh, we'd been looking for some time to call home. Diane had MS, we knew there was going to be changes to her lives and we used to drive past this place on the Warriga Highway and he was a Charolais breeder too. So I, I often said to Diane we should go in there one day and have a look. It looks a nice place, it was close to Twimba to the doctors, it had Bitchman Road frontage, it was a good place to breed bulls, we could get out and, and we could go south, north 
or, or anywhere we wanted to go with with our bulls and and show cattle and and, and it was a nice nice bit of country beautiful setting so one day we're driving past so we said to Diane we should go in and, and see him because we heard it had been on the market and, and we came in and, and I spoke to him and he had Charolais cattle I, I said to him you've got a quite a nice place here and he said do you want to buy it well we ended up buying it what year did you buy it, David? In May 2005. At the public hearing in Canberra in 2018, the National Industrial Chemicals Notification and Assessment Scheme, known as NICNAS, gave evidence that from 2002 to 2003 they had frequent interactions with Defence about the hazards and harmful effects of PFAS. On 30th of April 2003, Nick Nass released an alert recommending that PFOS and PFOA firefighting products such as AFFF be restricted to essential use only and that AFFF should not be used for fire training, testing purposes. Nick Nass first received warnings from the US about the hazards of these foams in 2000. And we thought it was going to be the start of our later part of life where we could manage Diane's MS, we, we could farm, we could breed good cattle and, and close to everything. That, that was the reason why we came here. But we were very excited finding our final home. When we look back, we would have loved if someone would have told us that it wasn't going to be our final home and uh, we were actually buying in a contamination zone. It was a hidden secret. We didn't know. We put 40, 50 years hard work, our life savings into it. And it's a good area. We were very happy. We'd worked away, long way away out west. At this part of our life, we knew it was time to come in closer, a smaller block. We knew we had to look after ourselves, manage Diane's MS, and I could be at home and work from home. So we were, we were quite excited when we came here. When you first bought the place and you used to get up and look out the window, and how would you feel? Well, I used to look out and say there's a lot to do, and I could always imagine the way we wanted it. And right from the day we came here, we started improving the country, putting it back to improved pasture and doing things we wanted to. We've spent more than what we paid for the place probably two times over since we've been here. We've done a lot of improvements, you know, with irrigation and pasture and yards and sheds and just goes on and on. And we did a lot of things. This was going to be our final place. We didn't think we'd ever have to move. So let's go to the day that you found out that the Army Aviation Centre Oki was contaminated with PFAS and it was moving off-site. How did you feel? When they first said it, it sent a chill through my spine. I knew that as a stud producer and someone that family had been on the land for over 100 years, we were very proud of our clean green image. It just didn't sound right. It was a public meeting. It just hit us all at once. We, we were shocked. We came home and me and Diane talked and talked and talked and asked questions and we were in shock for quite a while. And when did you find out, 2014? Yeah, yeah nearly five years now. How much information were you given in the early days? No, we weren't given a lot of information. We, we just said it was in that area. We knew that wherever it was, it, it would follow the water courses. We didn't know a lot. We had to panic and start asking questions. We had to do a lot of research ourselves. It was a long, hard road to get up to speed to where we are now. And you and Diane have really been leaders in the community on, on this issue, is that correct? You're the biggest voices in the community on this one? Oh, Diane is, and she's got a friend, Jenny, and, and I'm always there for them. But right from the word go, they've been out front and they've been fighting for the cause and just fighting for our basic right. I was brought up in rural areas where we all helped each other. 
we stuck up for each other. If one farmer was having a bad run, you were over there giving him a hand. That was the way we were brought up. So me and Diane have worked together with other people and uh, she's been out front and she's copped a fair bit too. How have you felt about the toll that it's taking on your lives? I have a bit of a toll, but I can stick up for myself. I'm very saddened and shocked for Diane that some of the public would actually defend people that have contaminated a rural area and withheld that information from that rural area for decades. In a slide presentation prepared by Defence on the Army Aviation Centre Oki, they have a quick timeline. From the 1970s, PFAS was used in legacy firefighting foam to extinguish liquid fuel fires by both civilian and military authorities. In 2003, Defence and other users became aware that PFOS, PFOA, was an emerging persistent organic pollutant. From 2004, Defence introduced a new foam and commenced phasing out use of the old foams for both training and emergencies. In 2010, Defence commenced the first PFAS environmental investigation in Oki. I can't understand why a country community wouldn't stay together. I wonder why. We didn't do anything wrong. We came here and we spent money in this area, put our life savings in here. We're just trying to stand up for our rights, that's all we're doing. So would you like to expand on what you're talking about there with the lack of community support? I agree everyone's got their point of view, but I think you've got to let people have their point of view. And we don't go in and abuse someone if they're having their point of view, we let them have their point of view. You'll remember in the last episode of Talking PFAS, episode 12, I discussed the focus groups conducted by ANU in Williamtown, Catherine and Oakey. I'll just play you a little bit from that episode regarding Oki. In regards to Oki, on page 19, the report states, Town residents were concerned about the economic viability of the township as a separate issue from the management of land and agricultural produce. For these Oki residents, the discussion about PFAS echoed the larger struggle that many small rural communities experience to remain viable. On the town outskirts, Rural producers were concerned with financial problems related to managing their property. These varied perspectives and interests contributed to intense debate within the community about how they should respond to the PFAS contamination. Oakey residents saw PFAS as a problem that had been imposed upon them, but they differed about whether the story should be broadcast to attract a government response or compensation or suppressed to attract businesses and new residents. I can't understand why people can't be more acceptable of people standing up for their rights. We always get the division in the community, but I say there's a lot of things said. People where we used to be very friendly with don't talk to us anymore. You feel it all the time. There are approximately 360 claims in Oki against the Department of Defence in the class action. That is the number of claims, not the number of people per household or business. But most of them are silent. They're not out there in front. They don't speak about it. They don't have to be public. But we have to fight for ourselves. And we not only fight for ourselves, we fight for some people that can't fight for themselves. We've got very good friends that are not in good health. Age is against them. And I could never stand back and let them do the fight on their own when I knew that they couldn't fight it. And it is strange for a country town not to pull together... It's unusual, isn't it? You've been in rural towns before, right? You've lived in rural towns and everyone has pulled together. I don't understand why there has been division in Oki. I don't understand either because uh, you've been contaminated by government department 
it's your health of your children, your asset base. I don't know why people wouldn't fight for that. Your kids and your grandkids and your family's health are your priority to anyone. You treasure your family and I can't understand why people aren't fighting for that. Yes, but for you and Diane, you've also got this lovely business that is your livelihood. Could you just describe briefly what your business is and how long you've been working at this? I've been with cattle all my life. My family was one of the first Brahma breeders in Western Queensland. So we've been with stud cattle a long time, over 100 years, same with Diane, over 100 years. What's the difference between a cattle producer and a stud producer? I've seen Diane make that distinction that you're not cattle producers. Well, a a cattle producer breeds a steer up to 250, 300 kilos and he sells the steer on. His cattle move on and off his place. He either brings them on, he fattens them, moves them off. Our cows don't move off the place. We've got some cows now who've been here 10 years since we came here. They're our foundation breeders of our herd. And with this contamination, they're not getting away. There's no separation from the contamination. They're living and breathing it like us every day. Cattle and sheep and horses and people in the contamination zone. So the difference of cattle coming in like the meatworks, they come in one day, they're killed, they're gone. Our cattle don't do that. They're here until they get too old and we have to move them on. We've always been very proud of producing an item that we're proud to hand over, that we know we've done our best and that item will go on and do a good job. And Australian Farmers' Rights and Federation, the whole country was built on a clean green image, you know, back from wool, our fruit and our veggies and everything. So we can't understand why we would be forced to live in an area where there's contamination. I, I can't understand why... Governments, not just this government here, it's going back two or three decades, that they have withheld that information from us and we have a government department that is investigating a government department. So the polluter is investigating the polluter. It's not fair. This is our escape. Some people go to the beach. We come home to our cattle. I love it. Escape all the problems of the world. Can't get an argument out of her. So who is she? She's a 14-month-old Bill Charolais heifer. Uh, We'll have her in the shows this year. We think quite a bit of her. We showed her mother. We've showed her other sisters. For David and I, we like this great top line. See how straight it is across the back? Well, that's another trait that we like. Your cows do look healthy. Look at all the feed in the shed. It's all brought in from outside. Hello, beautiful cow. This is Queensland investigative journalist, Dr Amanda Geary. David? What sort of feed-to-weight-gain ratio do you get on these ones? These fellows now on the feed, they'll be gaining two kilos a day. Is that good? That, that's very good. That's very good for their age to be doing that. So if, if they're um, gaining two kilos a day and they're 700 kilos, they're only 350 days old, roughly. Or well, they started with something, didn't they? And it's all about genetics in cattle. If they've got the genetics when they're born on mum and dad, that's the item that comes out. And will these work anywhere in Queensland, even the rougher outback, or is it uh, mainly for the downs? No, they'll go anywhere in Queensland, New South Wales. They are a tough beast, but in that ticky country, they are a Charolais, and you've got to protect them from the tick a bit. And what would they cross with? I'd cross them with any hybrid vigour, the Brahma, Santa, Droughty, they'll cross with anything. If you were advertising one of these you had someone interested in buying one of these beasts what features of these animals would you advertise to them 
the N52 here is an early maturing bull. He's uh, just on 14 and a half months old. He's 707 kilos. He's all flesh, very soft. And he, if you're going to breed good fat weaners for woolies, he'd be the one. The other bull here, 083, is a late maturing bull. Not quite as big as that bloke there, but when he's two year old, he'll, he'll outgrow him. He'll pull up. This fella will keep going. David and Diane adore their family and give an unusual but special gift to their grandchildren when they are born. When the grandkids are born, I buy them a cow. I don't believe in presents, toys. The kids have too many toys. They all have a cow and when they have a bull calf, I feed the bull calf and sell it for them. And when they're 18, hopefully they'll have a little piggy bank. So how many cows have we got that belong to your grandkids? We've got four grandchildren and they've got four cows. All of our grandchildren on their second birthday get a swag, so they've always got a bed no matter where they go. <laughs> and a cow. And the last two years they've had the top bull. We cannot believe it. At the shows. Yep. We're in the dark blue has entered our place now, unfortunately. What does the dark blue represent, David? Well, that's the zone two. Defence has divided the management area into three zones. Management zone one, management zone two and management zone three. The total management area contains approximately 1,613 properties. The total hectare size for all three areas is 3,685 hectares. Management Zone 1 is located immediately to the south and southwest of the site. It has the highest PFAS concentrations in groundwater in the management area, given its closer proximity to the base, and potential downwards migration of PFAS from surface water in drainage channels. In response to questions from me, a defence spokesperson said, Utilities and services located in Management Zone 1 include football club, bowls club, hospital, child service centre, sporting clubs, art group and industrial estate. Defence response was the abattoir is not located in management zone one. But unfortunately the overground flow has been coming through our place for two decades. Do you mean when it floods? Well when it rains, the contamination running down the creeks, running and the overground flow it's been running through for two decades, but the underground plume has now entered our place. It's very sad. So when you found out that it has definitely entered your place, what's that day like? It's a very sad day. We're trapped. We can't move. We can't go anywhere. We can't go to the bank. We can't borrow money. We can't just walk away with nothing. We can't understand why, in the political system of Australia why Labor and the Liberals and the Nationals actually joined forces and voted together in Parliament not to move us. When you say they voted in Parliament not to move you, you're talking about the motions that have been put forward by the Greens or by Senator Brian Burston for compensation, aren't you? Yes, and they've had two Senate inquiries now. And I will say the Senators that came to Oakey both times really got their head around the problems. They listened to the people. They were well-educated on the matters. Both times the Senators did the report, handed the evidence over to the Parliament. Both times it's gone to Parliament and they don't want to carry it through. As mentioned previously in the podcast, the Australian Government are yet to respond to the Committee's recommendations from the 2018 PFAS inquiry. 
This response was due on the 3rd of March 2019. The senators that did the report worked very hard and I think they did a very good job. Do you think with the election coming up we're going to get that response? No, we're not holding too much into it. So you don't hold out much hope that they're going to listen to the committee's recommendations from the report? I don't. They should do. I think the committee did a great job and I can't understand why you have two Senate inquiries and you don't listen to your own parliamentarians that are on your committee. Why wouldn't you? I can't understand why the leaders of the parliament would turn their back on their own people. Okay, so now that you've just discovered that this Management 2 zone has hit your property, what's the next step for you to, as far as your business? We're just keeping afloat. We're still breeding very good animals. We're just day-to-day going on, keeping going, trying to keep our chin up, both supporting each other, and uh, that's all we can do. Very, very disheartening. Every day you go out there, you don't know your future. You don't know your future from week to week. We've always got a cloud over us. We used to irrigate. I used to grow great lucerne here. I grew grain. I grew hay. I don't do that anymore. I've got to buy it all in. Why do you have to buy it all in now? Well, I don't irrigate on this property now. Where did you get the irrigation water from for this property? We have irrigation bore here on the place. So that was one reason I brought here. We had good irrigation. Now we have all those extra expenses on our business and it's very tough. And didn't you used to also irrigate from Oakey Creek sometimes? You had a backup irrigation source there? Yes, we did. Uh, We made a decision very early that we would not irrigate and that was a decision me and Diane made together. We're doing everything we can to try and keep our clean green image as clean and green as we can. Why did you want to talk to me today? I just feel that we just want to get our story out. The people that know me and matter to me and and know Diane, they all know about our fight here. It's been a hard, hard fight. Diane's been on TV. She's done this battle for four years. I don't think there'd be anyone in Queensland that hasn't heard Diane's voice or hasn't seen Diane on TV. You're proud of her for her efforts? I'm, I'm very proud of her. She's done it really tough and she's taken the fight up for a lot of people here in Oakey that haven't done anything. What do you feel when you walk outside and you look at the property now? I mean, it should be really peaceful here. You've got such a lovely property, lovely position. It is peaceful. It's still a lovely location. But the big cloud over us, as we know, we're living from day to day. Financially, it's tough. Uh, health-wise, it's tough. It, it is tough. When you don't know your future, I'm 61, Diane's the same age, we've worked hard all our life and to be this age and not know your financial future is it, very tough. I understand that you're working off the farm quite a bit to help with your financial situation because of the PFAS, is that correct? Yeah, I work off the farm 12 and a half hour shifts, probably 14 hour days by the time I feed the cattle here. I'd come home at night and feed my stud cattle probably 14 hour days to keep the bank payments coming in. We've got to keep it going. So you didn't have to work in the mines before, PFAS? We came here to semi-retire. We were hoping at our age to be able to work on the farm and spend time together and not retire but semi-retire and just have our stud cattle. But when this PFAS came up, we couldn't do that. Oh, I had to go back to work because we've got to buy everything in now. We buy our grain in, we buy our hay in. Our silage, we don't grow anything on the place at all. And so that was a significant cost saving to you before? Yeah, a huge saving. And uh, now that we can't grow anything, it's a huge cost. Do you use bore water, tank water or town water? 
We've got all rainwater onto the house and we've got a bore for the cattle water but it's not on the same water that's contaminated. Do you have one or two bores? We have two bores here, an irrigation bore and a cattle bore. In a 2018 report by ACOM for Defence, the desktop study identified that groundwater is or has historically been extracted from private and public bores for municipal supply between 1960s and 2012, domestic purposes, cooking, showering, laundry, filling swimming pools, irrigation of crops, watering of livestock and domestic pets, recreational purposes and irrigation of community school sporting fields and parks, commercial purposes, industry, hospital, mines. As a precaution, Defence has recommended that residents do not drink water sourced from any underground water bores within the management area until further notice. Well, you said the cattle bores not contaminated. Is the irrigation bore contaminated? No, we, we haven't tested for a long time. We know the plume's on our place. There's no need to test it because our neighbour's contaminated and the road hasn't stopped PFOS. It's still coming. Mogo got in with another bull, Matlock. Um, the electric fence went down on adjustment. He's got a bit of a sore head at the moment. When we picked Mogo up yesterday, he looked like he'd done 15 rounds of Mike Tyson. He had a fight with another Charolais bull that was probably about 900, 1,000 kilos, and he's much the same weight. So it was a battle of the big boys and... Uh, both of them were pretty bruised. He was he was pretty sore and sorry for himself. But we gave him an anti-inflammatory and he's, he's a bit better today. He was on adjustment country and we had to bring him home to have a few days so we could needle him up and, and he's in the sin bin, absolutely. <laughs> How did you feel when you first saw Berwick stud? I guess what I saw was the potential and I could see that it had the bones to be what we wanted it to be for our retirement. You know, it's been a hard road. I don't tell everybody uh, my story, but it's been a pretty tough story. We took a, I call it a flogging in 2000. My youngest daughter was killed and it was hard to lose your youngest child. Grade 12, 17 and a half, and we were thinking we were heading to the Territory, David, I and Cassandra. And the next thing, we're burying a child, stepping away. Six weeks. Six weeks we did that and found a job, went managing. And we went to Dolby and I walked into the homestead at Dolby and it was the first time I'd felt peace in probably two years. And I thought, yep, I can do this. That was a job managing someone else's property? Yes, managing about a half a dozen places. One of the places was the biggest in the Dalrymple Shire, um, Longton. Then other was out at Surratt and then Bow Desert. So all over Queensland. So you were happy at Dolby. What led you to Oakey? My MS was getting really bad. By that stage, my legs were going and my eyesight was going I've had a couple of really bad attacks in the last couple of years and I guess last year I made a decision not to be as full-on as what I had been. I lived and breathed this 24-7. I wrote to every senator and minister in Australia three times over and a handful of replies. And while there has been some great senators and great ministers come to our home, come to our farm. Very little 
has been achieved in the four years of doing the things that I have done because we're still at the same position other than a lot more people know about it. Do the right people know about it and do anything about it? No, they don't. When you can have a Prime Minister who isn't our Prime Minister now but, you know, come and not give one little sign at what he could do and he had the power to change this. I mean, if we have a flood, they just jump in like that. If we have a fire, this is contamination done by basically our Defence Force. When you're talking about the Prime Minister, you're talking about Prime Minister Turnbull, who's no longer our Prime Minister. How did you get him to your place, Diane? I guess it was easier to come in to Berwick Stud or I was going to keep at it for another two years. So when he did come, you had other people here when he came on that visit, is that correct? Yes. When the Prime Minister was first going to come, it was only going to be for David and I. And I insisted that we needed other producers here. But then I had to give the names, then they had to be vetted, then the house had to be vetted, then the neighbours had to be vetted, so they can do all of that. But when it comes to a piece of contamination that they have done, we can't seem to get the action. So when he left that day, what did you two think might happen? I thought bloody nothing. He went over to the shed with David and they spoke about his place in the Hunter Valley and spoke about his sheep, his cattle, and they did the man thing over at the shed, which I find insulting. And one would think a person that produces cattle and sheep that they would have far more of an understanding of what's at stake for producers in Australia. The bigger picture is our green, clean image. He didn't even get that. If you are a producer, it's different to another business. You have the burden of producing something that should be clean and free from everything and anything. That's what's required, whether you're a beef producer, a stud producer, a sheep producer, a veggie grower, a fruit grower. So they have to be dealt with, I think, a lot faster. As a producer, you cannot be in this contamination zone. You have to be out of a contamination zone because the burden is hard enough at what you do. You can look out my windows everywhere in this house and see land and a quite a nice picture. At the moment, we're droughted and we're droughted bad. But when it's lovely, those paddocks can be two foot high of grass. It can look just beautiful. It's peaceful but it's a nightmare. How do you feel about having to even fight for PFAS, for the right thing to be done about PFAS? How do you feel about leading this fight? Look, there's a lot of times I've got no energy left, but I look at it like this. It only takes one person to make a difference. It would be a lot easier if everybody joined me. Tell me about how you and Jenny are doing things together too. Jenny and I 
um, support one another. We do things very differently. She's very good at the Facebook and putting data up and that sort of thing, which I haven't got the time for, or the energy. I'm very good at, I guess, writing and sending and hounding senators and ministers and then hosting everybody to my home. The reason I don't do Facebook, because the nastiness was so nasty and I didn't understand how adults could be that vicious. Now, David and I are private people and it was not easy to let everybody come to my home on a regular basis, but we did it for the greater cause. Do they appreciate what you've done? Haven't got the foggiest. You've told me that you feel alone when we've talked on the phone. Why is that? Absolutely I'm alone because nobody steps up and says, okay, I'll come out and let's put a letter together or I'll I'll take those ten names and, and make the phone call or lighten the load. I've had gatherings here and they're mainly producers of all different types, sheep and I call even the racehorse industry, which Jenny's part of as producers. Now, most of the producers that sit around my table aren't in the class action. But I can tell you, two men in particular, they ring up, they have a kindness about them where I don't see it anymore other than Mm. those times. You know... I've got a good friend that came down last year and looked after the place for a week so we could step away because they can see the toll it's taking on us. When you come back, though... It's still there, but it gave you another push to keep going. You know, it's a hard road David and I are on. And you've fought very hard, Diane. I doubt that there is anybody other than at Williamstown that has done what I have done. And I don't say that to gloat. I say that so you can understand, so people can understand that you need to stick together. You need to support one another. And it's reputation again. David and I live on our reputation. Our animals have to be good and they have to do what they've got to do. But our word is still worth something. Yeah, it's really taken a, a big toll on, on your life. Absolutely. You know, because where David and I come from, your word is worth everything. It doesn't matter how much you own, it's who you are. You said at the inquiry that you fear that this fight will kill you. Is that how you feel? I feel that it will wear me to the point that I am not in control of my MS. My MS is in control of me. And as you probably came in, you would have seen a wheelchair. I don't want to be at primary or secondary. 
but that's a hard task when you're constantly under stress. Mm. And as my neurologist says, I defy the odds. Well, one day that just might go like that. And that's what I else I live with. That is too high a price to pay, isn't it? Absolutely. Way too high. And I don't think that's fair on myself or David or my children or my grandchildren. So can we talk about the testing that you have had on your property, your soil or your water or your animals or your blood? Have you had any testing done that Defence has paid for? David and I were one of the first 78 people that were tested. Our boars were tested. Now, when everything was tested clean here, we made the decision that we were never going to be tested again until they come to us with an answer. We've lost every right, but we've still got that right. And that's the right that we choose now to do. But as a producer, when you know that across the Warrego Highway from where we are have been tested positive, their land, their water, their animals, we know that we're in trouble. Defence's modelling is telling us, moving all our way. Now, we're probably about four k's as a crow flies from the army base. I made some inquiries to the Department of Defence and a Defence spokesperson got back to me with some details about Oki. The Oki groundwater plume, which flows from east to west, covers an approximate distance of five kilometres southwest of Army Aviation Centre Oki. Hydrogeological estimates show the groundwater plume is moving at an average rate of approximately 52 metres per year to the west. The results of this modelling do not take into account the management actions being implemented by Defence. The defence spokesperson said the model has been used to inform management decisions by indicating where PFAS may move in the future. It's important to note that an increase in the groundwater plume size does not necessarily mean an increase in exposure risks if no new exposure pathways are introduced. Defence has implemented management and remediation measures in Oki to remove or reduce exposure pathways including funding town water connections and operating water treatment plants. It's had 40 years head start. That's why it's on our doorstep now. It's only going to keep coming. Have you ever asked for your animals to be adjusted off your property and paid for by defence? Yeah, we actually did a long time ago. That wasn't on the horizon. But we choose to have half our herd on adjustment. We choose not to turn our bores on. We choose not to turn the creek on. We choose all the things that we can do to save ourselves the best we can do while government takes the time that they take. Did I think it was going to be this time? Hell no. But why do you make all those decisions you just talked about? Why do you make those decisions? For our animals, basically, and for ourselves. And is that a decision that you make for your clients as well? Absolutely for our clients. Otherwise, David and I wouldn't have been able to keep going here. We are seed producers, so seed stocks, so bulls, 
and cows are sold to commercial producers. So as far as you and David have been able to, you've made changes on your practices on the on the property for the sake of your clients and so you're doing the best that you can. Absolutely, we've done the best we can do for our clients and to save ourselves as best as we can. I can tell you that most other businesses wouldn't do what we've done. But financially, we're at that knife edge. Anxiety between David and I at what he wants to do and what I say we can afford to do. So I said I would come back to what you want Defence to do for you because it is a defence contamination problem. They have to move people that want to move out of contamination and I say it like this, just like for like. What does that mean, Diane? That means what we once had, we want again somewhere out of this 26K zone. Nothing more and nothing less. Except for maybe these days, I say, look at the stress that's on my face. I might want a bit of stress relief too. Everyone's waiting on this response from the government, but whether or not they respond before election is a big question mark. Look, I want to see at the moment Bill Shorten put in writing because fair chance he's going to be the next Prime Minister. I want to see Labor put in writing what they are going to do for me the moment they win the election. And if they don't win the election, I want to ask Scott Morrison why the hell he hasn't dealt with this now. And I think he's not doing a bad job, but deal with this big issue in Australia, which is PFAS. Deal with it and he'll have Catherine, Oakey, Williamstown, Townsville, Wagga Wagga, many people voting for him. Did you write to uh, Scott Morrison when he became Prime Minister? No, I didn't, but I certainly rang his office and for a change they didn't say to me, will you put that in writing, Diane? So maybe I have got somewhere over time. I haven't quite given up. Am I tired? Yes. Do I wish that there was others that would stand up with us? Yes, I do. What are you holding out for? What's the hope that you're holding out for here? The very first thing is that they have to be able to move the people that are in this contamination, be treated fairly, be compensated for what they own. The second thing is what I want the government to do is to sort out their mess and give me my life back and my clean area to live in again. Tell me how you felt sitting again at another inquiry, your second inquiry. I guess the second inquiry, the difference for me personally was that I had a knowledge base this time. And while I spoke personally at my journey, our beef industry is an industry where I could talk about many things, show them all the things that I have to do for industry and for government 
yet what are they doing for me? You're talking about all the regulations, all the boxes you have to tick. And you brought up that the government doesn't seem to have to do the same. Absolutely. You know, when we've got to do everything from biosecurity, you would have seen as you come in the front gateway, you know, right to national vendor deck books, to NLIS tags, to branding. But with the national vendor declaration, you don't have to declare PFAS, do you, on that? No. Absolutely we don't. And do I want to bring my industry down anymore? No, I don't. Or any other industry. Diane, is the cattle breeding industry supportive of what you've been trying to do in Oki? Absolutely. The Australian Registered Cattle Breeders Association has supported us on this journey. The Brahmin Society has supported us on this journey. The Charolais Society have supported us. Letters of support for Berwick Stud from the industry organisations that Diane named can be viewed in the CAP submission to the 2018 PFAS inquiry. CAP is the Coalition Against PFAS. The General Manager of the Australian Brahma Breeders Association wrote to Barnaby Joyce, the former Minister for Agriculture and Water Resources, on the 17th of October 2016 and said... We urge the government to remove the affected areas from the red meat production system and fully compensate them for their losses so they can move on with their lives. The financial and emotional pain these people are being put through at present is unfair and unjust. The Charolais Society of Australia represents over 500 cattle breeders across the country and is the peak body for Australian cattle producers with an interest in registered Charolais. Part of this letter read, any breeder of either registered cattle or commercial cattle within proximity of a known or contested contamination site faces potential economic loss from reduced ability to either market, breeding cattle or cattle to enter the food chain. The impact of reduced ability to trade in the industry would be catastrophic for a beef producer who typically only has their livestock trading as an income source. Our member and other beef producers in the area have legitimate concerns on their future and ability to sustain an income in the future. But for it to go to the Australian Registered Cattle Breeders Association, all members of stud stock in Australia had to vote on it. So that's how big the support is for us. Okay, so you haven't faced any opposition from the industry? For speaking out? Absolutely no. The support has been great from them because they know what's at stake. The Australian Registered Cattle Breeders Association is the peak industry for the registered beef breeding industry in Australia. All major breeds are members. On the 26th of October 2016, the President wrote to the former Minister for Defence, Maurice Payne, and sent a copy to the former Deputy Prime Minister, Barnaby Joyce. Part of this letter said... This letter is to urge you to expeditiously proceed with compensation for David Jefferies and Diane Priddle of the Berwick Stud in Oakey. Their livelihood is in the process of being destroyed as a result of PFOS and PFOA contamination. No reply was received. Akbar then sent another letter on the 14th of February 2017 this time to the former Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce, with a copy to the former Defence Minister Maurice Payne. Part of this letter said, I am disappointed that I have received no acknowledgement from either department 
At the time, I raised the hope of Akbar that the Berwick stud would be treated sympathetically by the government. There is no evidence of this being the case, despite their direct representations. The action of your government in fobbing off producers with a genuine complaint can only lead to a disaster for the beef industry, which is a very large export earner that lies within your portfolio of responsibilities. I am gobsmacked at the apparent indifference your department has to this serious threat to trade. I listened to an interview from Dr Hobbs last night that was done in 2017 Dr Hobbs is in charge of giving us all these health assessments so we rely on what he has to tell us. Now I've got it right here. Dr Hobbs said animal models can cause harm within animals and then they use that to work out for humans because there's no testing done with humans. Now that's a key phrase as far as I'm concerned and then it bioaccumulates in animals. Now that should ring every alarm bell for every human being on this planet, especially if you're with PFAS. Tell me what it's like when you go to some of these public meetings. Do you always get your questions answered in the meeting? No. This is what I've learnt along the way. If you don't ask the right question, you don't get the right answer. What is the response in these meetings when you ask a question? Well, they answer the question, but they don't answer the question that I've asked. They just generalise the question. They take us away from the subject that we're speaking about and they turn it back to the subject that they're speaking about. Could you give me an example? There was a meeting in uh, April 2017. The Australian and New Zealand food safety were there and I spoke to them and I asked them why don't consumers have the right to know what they're eating to know they're definitely eating a clean green product or they're eating a product with PFOS in it and I didn't get that question answered I got it generalised and came into the food standard right across Australia and I asked her have you spoken to anyone in the beef industry and she said no they haven't spoken to anyone I asked that question publicly at a meeting in Oki and who else was there at this meeting? All the Defence, all the Canberra people were there and quite a few locals. And Diane was right beside me. Diane, you were also at that meeting and what do you have to add to what David just said? Look, I guess the big thing that has to be understood is, like a lot of these reports that we've had, they haven't asked the right people. They don't talk to the people on the ground. They don't talk to the industry that they need to talk to. Yet... Our life depends on what they're telling us and there lies the problem over and over again. A spokesperson for Food Standards Australia and New Zealand, known as Fazants, confirmed that two scientists attended public meetings held in Oakey and Williamtown in early April 2017. Fazants confirmed that they have not spoken to any producers in the beef industry in Queensland or their industry representatives. Did that surprise you that they haven't spoken to the beef industry? I was shocked that they're doing a job that they haven't done the first thing of their job and speak to the industry that actually produced the meat. They haven't spoken to them. I couldn't understand. Did they give a reason why they hadn't spoken to the beef industry, David? No, they didn't give a reason. Fizance is a statutory authority which sits across Australia and New Zealand and develops food regulatory guidelines through their code. 
Fizance's role to date has been to provide scientific advice to the Australian Department of Health on PFAS health-based guidance values an estimated dietary exposure to PFAS in food from impacted areas. In response to my question about what testing of beef, cattle, sheep in Queensland or elsewhere have Fizance undertaken for PFAS, the response was, Fizance has undertaken several monitoring surveys of PFAS in the general food supply to investigate potential migration from food packaging in 2010 and as part of the 24th Australian Total Diet Study in 2016. The surveys tested for PFAS in a variety of packaged foods, including several types of meat. There were no detections in any beef, cattle or sheep-based samples, with the exception of a single detection of PFOS in beef sausages in the 24th Australian Total Diet Study. Both surveys found that there were no concerns regarding dietary exposure to PFAS for the general Australian population. Fizance is currently planning to undertake further monitoring of PFAS in the general food supply as part of the 27th Australian Total Diet Study to commence in 2019. This monitoring survey will include over 112 different types of foods, including beef, mince, chicken, lamb and pork. Further details on this survey will be provided on the Fizance website once it gets approved and is underway. Anything you wanted to add, David? Well, I would just like politicians uh, in Canberra to have a good hard look at themselves. They're getting paid by the Australian people. The Australian people have voted them in. They're facing the facts that the Australian government over two decades, both sides of parliament, have done something and that is contaminate people, their property, the environment. They have done that. Now, do they want to do what they've been put in Parliament to do and fix the problem? Because at the moment, we have the polluter investigating the polluter. We have the parliamentarians, some of them been there a long time in Parliament, that have had these secrets in the back of the head for a long time. They could actually come out and say, this needs fixing and do it. And they're the same people that when they have these Senate inquiries and these great senators do a great job, go back to Canberra, and they don't listen to their own senators. So at the end of the day, I just ask those people to start having a look at their conscience. Are they doing the right thing, what they're paid to do? And they're paid to do is sort out problems. And this is their problem. It's no one else's problem. This is a government problem. This is a government contamination. The government have done it, and the government withheld the information from the Australian people. May I ask how you felt about the government before this contamination? Well, I think I'm like a lot of other Australian people all over Australia. We went down to Canberra. They tell you what they want to tell you on that day. And as soon as you're not standing in front of them, whatever they've said doesn't mean anything to them. But that's after PFAS. Did you used to trust the government, though, before that if there was any issues, you know, they would sort them out? Or or was that not the case? Well, I grew up in Western Queensland and we were drummed into us that the... I think they call themselves the Nationals or the Young Nationals we were. My father said they always look after the people on the land. So at a young age, yeah, I always thought the National Party looked after the the people on the land. But the National Party don't do that anymore. The Liberal Party are not interested in the the Labor Party. I can't understand. At the end of the day, why do we have politicians when they make laws and they don't abide by their own laws? So that's all I've got to say. Thank you for talking with me today. Thank you very much for coming to Oki. It's great to see you.
I'd like to give a special thanks to Diane and David for opening up their home and being willing to share their personal story and just how living in a PFAS contaminated zone has and is affecting their lives. I'd also like to acknowledge and thank my friend and mentor, Queensland investigative journalist, Dr Amanda Gearing for all that she has taught me about journalism and also for driving me around Queensland when I came to visit. Thank you, Diane, for sharing your story today. I know it's only part of the story because you've been battling it for five years, but thank you. Look, thank you for coming in. All I can say is it's been a great podcast. Hope it continues. Thank you, and thank you for sharing it around. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Next episode of Talking PFAS, I'll be bringing you Jennifer Spencer's story from Oki. What I want from the Defence Department and this government is to fix this in a way that I don't mean I want them to scrub the water or fix the soil. They can do that in their own time. I just want them to stop using us, us contaminated victims and contamination victims. I want them to stop using us as guinea pigs and I want them to be able to restore our choices. I want my choices given back to me. I want my power given back to me and I want that and I want it soon because my life is wasting away. As I said before, I feel like I'm a prisoner on death row. My life is wasting away. I live in anguish every day. I live in fear every day. My child, my lovely son is only 19. He's got PFAS in his blood. I fear for his future. And I try not to let that, I try, I try to just shove that down. Because if I think about that, you would just go insane. Because I've done that to my child. <laughs> and that's what I've got to try and get my head around all the time. That it's not my fault because, you know, I can't carry the guilt of this. Thank you once again for listening to Talking PFAS and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. You can also follow Talking PFAS on Twitter at Talking PFAS where you'll also see contact details for me as well. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. All the information and audio in today's episode is copyright. Please contact me for permissions. Thank you.